Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is Easter Continued. And Anne, we are now in season two of our podcast. With this continued Easter season, we continue our podcast and we have some exciting news. Good morning, Anne. Morning, Haley. Yes, this is a week of April 18, and I am excited. Uh, you could say maybe with Easter joy that we um, took some time over spring break uh, to move our podcast to a new home. And thanks to a woman named Tiffany, who, you know, so many people, Haley, have talents in tech. And I, it just always amazes me uh, what people know and how, you know, fluidly they speak this language. She helped us to migrate and um, our files and put us onto iTunes. So not only are we on iTunes, but we are on a whole entire host of other platforms by which folks can access our podcast. So I'm excited because through iTunes or Stitcher or several others, you can listen easily to our podcast, perhaps while you're driving. I love to listen to a podcast when I'm walking. If you play a podcast while cooking, um, so great, wonderful ways to access um, a podcast that we, I think by naming season two, we hit pause and said, you know, what are we offering? What are we cooking through Faith Fondue? And really our hope, I think, is that our time together offers a way for people to think a little bit differently about their faith and how it's integrated into their lives. Like we said, if it's through sports, family, culture, pop culture, all of it. So we're excited to share and hope that our listeners will share easily now the ways to access Faith on Deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I went, um, you know, right to, I have an iPhone and I went right to my little purple podcast app on my iPhone and um, you know, clicked on that, typed in Faith Fondue, and it popped right up. So that was uh, an exciting moment for me to kind of see it in this, you know, official format. So a huge thank you to you for taking the time, to Tiffany for helping us out. Um, and of course, you know, my son Edward, who's kind of been the, the, the tech support for the many months that we've been doing this, including about five minutes ago when I, you know, texted him to ask him to help us out here. So Thank you, Edward. Uh, and thank you, everyone. So it's exciting. This new season we have of not only the podcast, but the Easter season as well. And, you know, Anne, I feel like we have so much to catch up on. I feel like we, you know, we taped our Easter special and we taped our intro to the podcast last week. But, you know, I, I, I love our time and our conversations together. And, you know, for me, these past couple of weeks have really been kind of an emotional roller coaster. And, you know, that's all part of um, life. And it's one of the things that makes our faith so important is to have that grounding. Um, but it's been interesting, you know, for our listeners who are parents, um, I've just, I've been thinking about this question a lot. You know, when does the act of parenting stop? Um, because it's certainly not when our children are in college. Um, for those of you who know, I have a, a, a son who's a freshman in college, but you know, I'm learning they, they still need our support. They still need a listening ear. They still need our guidance. 
Um, and most importantly, I, I think we, we sometimes forget children need our unconditional love. Um, I think we know that as parents, um, but I don't know if it's always at the forefront um, of our minds. But, you know, it's interesting because, you know, as you know, I've, I started working recently this year at an elementary school. It's um, preschool through eighth grade and I work in admissions. So I do a lot of tours for, you know, young families or families of young children who are looking for a place to start their, their child's educational journey. And, you know, it's so fun for me to see these little two and three-year-olds explore the classrooms and to watch the parents interact with their children. And, they ask such great questions about what we're doing at school and our philosophy and our, you know, you know, our view on, on parenting and raising, you know, partnering to raise children. And it just makes me smile inside because what they're, you know, the questions and concerns they have at two and three is, is, is sometimes very different than what I'm dealing with as a parent as a teenager um, and actually sometimes not very different. Um, so I kind of chuckle thinking, oh boy, you know, if you think that this little issue you have with your three-year-old is, you know, going to go away, it doesn't. Um, mm. So it just, you know, it made me think at what point, you know, do we stop parenting? Because at times I got to tell you, it's exhausting. Um, you know, and do, are we still exhausting to our own parents? You know, do my parents get off the phone with me and, and, um, find me exhausting? I can tell you, I am sure they do. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting journey, but, you know, again, I think it's why our faith is so important. And I think it's why, you know, being part of a a community is so important as well. Yeah, I agree. You know, Haley, just listening to you, um, you know, share kind of that question. I, I think, you share it, and I think you know the answer, right? Um, at what point does parenting stop? I don't, I don't think it ever stops, and I couldn't help but connect that to, you know, the love of God and God as parent, you know, God as Father. And one of the words, it's been interesting. I've referenced the show Shitzol quite a bit, but in Hebrew, the word for you know, Father or Daddy is Abba. So as a Christian, I know that through the song Abba Father. And so it was fun to hear that word being used like in an everyday um, relationship. And as a Christian, we were told that's a very intimate love to call, you know, Jesus called Abba, he called God the Father Abba. And that was kind of pushing the limits, but um, at the time. So now I understand that. And I think of just the role of parents in our society, how incredibly important they are. As a teacher, I need parents, I need their support, um, raising children to, you know, to help us grow up and get there. And as an athletic director, uh, the interplay with parents is like anything, probably just like you as parent to parent. Um, I've been dealing with some parents where I'm like, wow, I'm not surprised that kids don't follow rules because I've had to confront parents not following rules. And then there's parents who just say thank you and appreciate what we do. And it's just like students as well. So for parents out there who take the job seriously, thank you as a teacher, as a coach. Um, I love my own parents. I get to see them today. That's a real gift. Our time with our own parents is limited. Um, And I think all children should um, hopefully realize that. What is Emily Dickinson? I think she has a powerful quote, you know, about parents. I should look it up. I think it's like the world without parents is a cold place, but we need parents. And so we support parents. And just by you listening to those parents and giving some perspective, I, I'm sure they appreciated that. 
Well, it's, um, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those journeys that you don't realize when you sign up for it that it never ends. Um, you kind of think of your parenting, you know, your time of parenting, you, you get them off to college, you've done your job. And um, in, in many ways, that's, that's just the beginning. It's just that small stage of, of having them at home. But, you know, again, it's, um, you know, the school where I work is the school where my boys went. And um, there are a number of parents there who helped me raise my own kids, you know, again, yeah. with that sense of community. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, last night was the school auction. And this is the 15th year in a row I've gone to this, you know, this auction. Now, of course, last night it was virtual. Last year it was as well. So it's not really the same. But, you know, there were still, you know, over 100 people that came together online to to celebrate that community. And, Um, I think that's really powerful. And I know, um, you know, community is important in your life. It's important in my life. And it's important, you know, in so many cultures that um, are around the world, there's a there's a different sense of community that I think, you know, you and I both respect and admire. And, um, you know, I the golf community I know is important to you. And and last week was a was a huge, uh, exciting week in your life. I know Masters week, I kept thinking of you. So uh, talk about that a little bit and and how fun that was for you to watch. Yeah, uh, always a, a joy to celebrate Master's Week. And as you were kind of talking about community, I was thinking about at St. Francis, the word that one of the hallmarks of Jesuit, I mean, excuse me, oh my, that was a Freudian slip. After 16 years at St. Ignatius, one of the hallmarks at uh, St. Francis, a Holy Cross school, is the um, notion of family. So Notre Dame's a Holy Cross school and just really taking family seriously. So I am wondering, Haley, if we would use, we would default to family over community. And um, I say that because I gave a presentation to the Holy Cross Institute and I talked about family. And one of the questions I challenged the attendees to think about is, okay, if this is a family, Um, What kind of family do you want? And what are some attributes that are important to your family? And I'm going to link this to the masters because one of the attributes of a family is respect. And this goes back to the notion of parents. So parents have a role and, you know, children have a role. And so with respect, I just thought the masters was such a wonderful way to kind of think about respect. And I say that because the winner, Hideki Matsuyama, um, who hails from Japan was the first, it's the first, you know, Japanese golfer to win a major. And um, I was able to travel there in 2015. So I learned a little bit about their culture. And in Japan, he wouldn't have been announced as Hideki Matsuyama. It would have been Matsuyama Hideki. And why is that? Because your family name always comes first. So with baseball players, with golfers, with anyone, you represent that family. And I think that that's such a sign of respect and that you are something larger than yourself. And um, another kind of moment in the tournament that went viral at the end, his caddy put the pin back in the hole and he bowed and he's not even bowing at anyone. He's bowing at the game, at the moment, um, realizing kind of what had transpired. And I, I think like a bow like that and just an awareness, what an incredible sign of respect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I didn't know that about, um, Japanese culture with the first name, the last name first, but yeah, absolutely. That is, um, that is putting family before self. Now, I don't know what you think of this, but I shared with my students, as much as I love that, the one limitation, and it's not a hang up, 
and some students have hyphenated last names and I know um, your son Edward's middle name is your maiden name. You know, I'm I'm the product of two families. So Strickers is just obviously, you know, my dad has five brothers. So there's a lot of Strickers up in, you know, Washington state area. So when I go there, it's a very different experience because they know my family name. But, you know, my mom's family gets kind of hidden. And so her maiden name was Naughton. And that's a very Irish name. And um, people don't know that part of my family history. So that's the one limitation. And and I understand it just makes things easier. But at some point, you can't keep adding names on names. But it is a way, it's a thoughtful way to just represent both homes. Right. It is, actually. And I hadn't really thought about that. You know, I was Scott. You know, I actually probably have three different names here. You know, you could use Scott, my maiden name, which was obviously, you know, my father's surname. And you know, my mom is Vandaway, which yeah. is a very well-known name, you know, in, in kind yeah. of past sports, this past, the sports world, um, you know, and now I'm a Maria, and, um, you know, people mess up the, the, they mispronounce that name all the time um, to mm-hmm. the point where, you know, if I'm making a reservation somewhere, I just use Scott because nobody messes that up. I'm oh, sure you get that with Strickers all the time, right? Yes. Yeah. So I get, you know, Maria, Demaria, um, there's name space, wait, no wait, space. space, no space, capital, no capital. And, you know, yep. people apologize all the time for the misspelling or the mispronunciation. And, you know, I always say uh, kind of half jokingly, but I guess to make them feel better, oh, you know, don't worry about it. It doesn't bother me. It's not really my last name. And, you know, of course it is. And it is my yeah, children's last right. name. Um, yeah. But you're right. My children are as much Scots as they are, you know, De Maria's. But, you know, that's probably a whole different topic for why we do names. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have hyphenated. I do use Scott in, in some, you know, worlds that mm-hmm. I interact in. Um, I know yeah. one couple who got married and combined their names. You know, one was yeah. a, mm-hmm. one was a Zimmerman and one was an Ungarelli, and they're now the Zimmerellis. Um, so, you know that that's an interesting take sure. too. So, yeah, names yes. is um, we could have a whole a whole podcast talking about names. So, I might have to add that to our list. Yes, but cheers to Hide- to Hideki. Uh, I'll yes. just call him by his first name and. Um, he's really been in the, such a great competitor. He's been in the wings for a while. So he was due and the Olympics will be in Tokyo this summer. And it'll be interesting. You know, some people are like, is he going to carry the flag and will he carry the torch and what role will he play? And he's very humble and, um, just huge congrats. And it was a wonderful way. The masters, I'm always excited just to talk to my students about it because I do have such love for it, but an exciting way to just kind of talk about Japanese culture and with any culture, you know, strong sense of culture, you know, what can we learn from them? What are some positives and what are some things that we question? So I think we'll, we can talk a little bit about that later, but I have often wondered, Haley, what is it like growing up in a world when your name, I knew you as Haley Scott, because I knew you before, you know, you were married um, as an undergrad. What is it like growing up never having to spell your last name? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just one of many burdens I carry. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. I think I, I can handle it. Yeah. Yes. It's, um, 
I hadn't even thought of it that way. I just yeah. knew everybody knew Scott. That now, would be one, one T or two. Maybe but, that's the only thing. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and, but, you know, my brother and my dad, but more my brother is, um, you know, they're Stephen Scott, Steve Scott. So um, with Stephen Scott, people used to always ask him, you know, what's it like to have two first names? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yep. Um, yeah, names are, those are, it's always good, always good discussion. <laughs> yes. Well, let's move into our spiritual stew. What's cooking? Yeah, absolutely. In terms so of scripture or. I love today's gospel. You know, the words that really, you know, jumped out at me. We hear the words, peace be with you. And, um, you know, these are familiar words, not only in the Bible, you know, Jesus talks about peace. Um, you know, often, many times you hear, um, whether it's not whether it's peace be with you or um, you know any sort of form of him offering peace, but you know we hear those words in the mass as well. It's a it's a very um, it's it's a time in the mass that is very community focused and oriented. You know we greet each other when we come in, um, or at least we used to when we were in church, and even we do you know when we were on our Zoom mass. But it's a time to to greet each other and often offer the sign of peace. And so for me. You know, of course, going to a Catholic high school, not being Catholic at the time. So, you know, being this teenage girl who wants to fit in and wants to be a part of things and going to mass at Xavier and not being Catholic, it was always the one part of the mass that I could fully participate in. Um, and, you know, of course, in in many communal settings, um, when you're not necessarily in a church, whether it's, um, you know, mass at Xavier in a gym or, you know, always during our monogram club masses, the sign of peace, you know, takes forever because you feel yes. like you have to offer it to everyone. Um, right. But I loved that. You know, I loved kind of climbing over the bleachers at Xavier to be able to hug my friends and wish them peace. And again, it was something that I could fully participate in in this mass. And, you know, I didn't always know what to say. You know, you learn as you sit through masses as a non-Catholic, you can kind of mumble your way through the the responses. But I knew the sign of peace. So for me, that's always been um, just a very comforting time. And I miss it. I miss... Um, yeah. Even when I go to mass in a church now, you know, I miss even shaking someone's hand that I don't know. And, um, you know, you miss that comfort of a hug of, you know, maybe it's a colleague, but you know them well enough to give them a hug and I'm a hugger. So, you know, if I know you even casually and we're giving, you know, offering the sign of peace during mass, um, Mm. I'm going to hug you. And I I miss that. Um, And I and I really I don't think I knew how much I missed it till I actually went to mass you know, return to mass in the church and realize you couldn't do that. Right. Yeah. So I'm still offering, you know, a p- sign of peace with a wave. Um, yeah. but I don't think that's wow. what, what Jesus fully, you know, it doesn't feel like I'm offering that same sense mm. of myself in wow. offering that peace. Um, you know, and they're very powerful words, you know, when you, when you look at the, the way they're offered in the gospel reading, I think about you know, how often could we respond to someone with those words, you know, peace be with you. If it's someone we're disagreeing with, if it's someone we, you know, we've met on the street, you know, those are words that Jesus is you, you know, Jesus uses. And, you know, how would they be received today if, you know, someone was grumbling in a store or got mad at me because they thought I cut them off in line or whatever it is. And I just looked at them and I said, peace be with you. Um, they would probably think I was crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe 
there were clearly people, you know, during, um, you know, historical times who thought Jesus was crazy. I'm sure they did. Um, but I just, I love those words and I, I loved hearing them in the gospel today. And um, they just, it, it's a reminder for me of, of how peaceful I want to be and also how much I miss offering it, you know, within a physical sense to, to other people. Yeah. You know, Haley, I appreciate just the perspective because I, I have thought a lot about if the how folks can participate in the mass. And so you've named one area and, you know, participation is important and how can we participate? So if it's through song, if it's through, you know, offering ourselves in the gift of peace, um, I don't know, I'd urge people to really kind of think about that a little bit more, including myself, like, how are we participating? I've said this before, like, I think my brother participates by offering a prayerful presence, but what are different ways um, that we can participate? And it reminded me of a, um, an example, something that happened in my parish, uh, St. Dominic's. A lot of street people will be there at Mass. So I used to go to 5.30 on Sunday. And it's, I mean, when we say diverse, it is truly diverse. Like, you name it. And that includes street people. And there was a person sitting behind me that smelled so badly. And I was really uncomfortable because, you know, it not... I don't think I was uncomfortable. I don't, I didn't mind the street person being there because they're part of the community. It's, it's a regular event, but the smell was difficult. And when it came time for peace, I froze. And this couple that was sitting next to me, I watched them. They went right in. They gave this person the sign of peace, no problem. And they were great teachers for me. And I've never forgotten that. And then again, it gave me the the courage or whatever I needed to just go in. And I'm humbled by that, that they were there and that I saw my own limitation. But I think that's where your participation in a parish can be really, you know, by showing up, I I learned something in that way. And then, you know, you've kind of named like what those words mean, peace be with you, Um, you know, and how do we live that out in our lives? I had an incident almost probably 12 years ago with somebody in my neighborhood about parking. So I park on the street. I live on a busy street, Fulmer Street in San Francisco. And we really got into an argument. Well, wouldn't you know it? I see this guy all the time. Even still, we never talk. There's always a sneer um, when I when he sees me. I don't really smile at him. But part of me, like recently, was kind of just wanted to approach him and just say, hey, you know, peace be with you, or I, I don't even know what I want to say, but the sentiment, the feeling of peace is something I want to offer him. Cause I, I'm that battle, you know, that's long gone. Let's, I don't need to carry it anymore. Well, it, it and you, you may hear this come up again in the melting pot, you know, our takeaways, I'm, I may challenge you to do that, but you know, you say the incident's over, but it's not right. Because yeah. you're still carrying um, those, the, the, the unsettled feelings with you. Um, so yeah, we might have, we might have to work on that, but, but I get it. It's, um, he would probably, you know, I don't, it'd be, I'd be actually very curious to see how he would respond if you offered him a sign of peace. Right. Um, he, he may be feeling the same way. Um, it doesn't sound like it if he's sneering at you, but he might. Yeah. Um, Yep. Because we are sharing the same space, the same sidewalk. And yeah, it's already hard enough, honestly, right now. So 
um, yeah, it would take some courage, but that's a great takeaway to consider. So. Well, and it brings us, you know, to know, you know, something else I know we want to talk about, and that is, you know, apologizing. Now, this is not, doesn't sound like an event you actually need to go back and apologize for. Um, he may have forgotten about it or forgotten it happened. He might just not like you and know that there's something there that um, was, you know, unsettling at some point. But, um, you know, the, the art of a good apology is um, a fascinating topic. Yeah, so this is something I'll definitely link in the show notes. There is a class at Notre Dame, um, but it's on ThinkND. It's available to anyone. And the professor is Dr. Megan Sullivan. It's outstanding. And this resonates with me because I teach a moral issues class. But part of this online course, you know, there's worksheets, there's video clips, teachings. There was a link to this article about the art of a good apology. And in Japan, and there is this service that is burgeoning to a certain degree where a person can hire an individual to give an apology to someone they have wronged. Huh. And so I had my students read this because I thought this is so interesting. So I had talked about some attributes of Japanese culture with them because of Hideki Matsuyama. But then I also said, hey, here's another piece of culture where again, if respect is really important. And it, you know, like I, I mentioned two ways in sports that it manifests itself. But one really interesting way is that if you went into a coffee shop, Haley, and left your computer there, you would never worry about it being taken. If you leave your wallet on the J, you know, rail um, train, you, the odds are like 90% return rate that you will get it back intact again because of respect. So when you wrong someone, there's this sense of respect, but so you owe someone an apology, but they're hiring people to do it. And so I just had my students read the article and we talked about what do they think of this? What do they think of hiring someone to give an apology? Now, Sullivan claims that this is problematic in a moral life because there are certain things that only you can do for yourself or for others. Like you can't <laughs> hire someone to go to therapy for yourself. Yeah. Right, you have to do that. You can't hire someone to go on awkward dates so you can get to know somebody. And one of those things is not only, you know, you have to determine what makes a life good is her ultimate claim, but you have to offer the apology. And so it sparked a conversation about, well, what is a good apology? And then, you know, are you free to reject an apology? I have found so many people, and I see this, unfortunately, maybe through social media who are like, it's too late, you know, the apology is not accepted. And I, I just wonder as a Christian, are we free to reject an apology? Like with this neighbor, what if he rejects my apology? Well, you know, apologies are given and they need to be sincere and authentic is what a lot of students said. And um, it prompts, you know, the question of forgiveness. Can anything be forgiven? Um, who, what is necessary for forgiveness. And um, I've read enough to hear that one of the hallmarks of Christianity is the emphasis on forgiveness. And it's not to be confused with this idea that everything's okay, right. but that art and the act of forgiveness is so important. And we see this in scripture in Matthew 18, 22. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant. They ask, Peter asked Jesus, how often must I forgive my neighbor? And he says, seven times, 70 times. 
and Christ says seven times 70. And, you know, seven is a number of perfection. And it's speaking to the love of God, that God's love is perfect. Um, we probably, you know, won't get there. But the idea is that we're called to be merciful and forgiving and in numerous times. Um, and that's not only 40, 490 times in life, but many times. So... What an interesting discussion for your students who probably, you know, haven't really thought about it. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there, there's a lot there. Um, you know, we can, you know, we can offer apologies. We can accept apologies. You know, can we accept an apology and not forgive? You know, is it okay to receive mm -hmm. the apology but mm -hmm. not be ready to forgive? Mm -hmm. um, they... It you know the first the sincerity of for sure um, you know we always want our our apologies to be sincere um, you know we had a thing in our house again bringing it back to you know my kids and raising them and trying to figure out how to do that um, I used to say to my kids and still do I kind of half joke they're going to put this on my grave um, you know if they say I'm sorry I'll say well I'll know you're sorry when you don't do it again. Yeah. Um, so you don't want the words and really what that's just saying is I don't want an empty apology. You can't just say, I'm sorry mm -hmm. and yeah. move on. You know, that, that doesn't work. Um, or that's not a true apology. You know, we want it to be an apology of action, um, which is why, you know, bringing it back to, you know, in Japan where you have these apology services, um, it almost seems like a formality you just have to go through um, I don't know how you could put meaning and, you know, this apology of action behind it. Um, you know, if you've wronged your spouse and you send someone to apologize to them, you know, how does that make it? It'd be curious to, to learn more yeah. about that. And, you know, how does that make it meaningful in a way that we find it meaningful? Um, yeah. And perhaps that's just a, a cultural difference is that's accepted. Those apologies are accepted there, mm. whereas they might not um, be accepted here. But I do think ultimately... It is um, one of the greatest graces of our faith is, you know, if you, th I know that there is really nothing my children could do to, um, for me to stop loving them, right? I will always love them. I will always help them through any challenges if they ask for my help. And, mm -hmm. and that's really who God is in our lives, you know, and yeah. if we allow him to be. He's going to love us no matter what. He is going yep. to help us through any challenge if we let him, um, and 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 we'll accept our apology. You know, I will accept my children's apologies. You know, no matter what, if I know they're sincere, and yeah. you know, I know God will do the same for us as well. If we are sincerely apologizing for our sins um, and asking for that forgiveness, um, it's great comfort to know that we're going to get it. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting to think that some people don't give apologies, you know? So we're assuming people do. We're assuming that you kind of set some criteria here for your children. It's not really criteria. You're, you're saying like what you would hope for in that apology. Right. And it's hard to even think, some people don't even offer an apology. Um, or I've heard it's too late. I've heard that as well. Um, but Randy Pausch, the late Randy Pausch, he's the author of the last lecture. He was a professor at Carnegie Mellon. That was probably popular 10 years ago. Do you remember that? At least, yeah, for sure. Yeah, one of his teachings and one of his messages was, um, there's a lot of bad apologies. So here's three steps. And he doesn't use criteria, but he, three steps for a good apology. One is to say, I'm sorry. Two is to say, I was wrong. And three, how can I make it right? 
And I think that's really interesting. I think it's helpful. So, you know, a great assignment for all of us is what makes a good apology. Um, if, you know, and it's not for the other, I don't know, and maybe it is for the other person because we live in community, like we're saying, we live in family. Um, and I, you know, we've talked about thank you notes before, Haley, but I got a number of thank you notes this week from the girls volleyball team for just helping make this season go. And they were all so thoughtfully written. It was so touching. And I thought, what's criteria, not steps. I'm gonna use steps yep. for a good thank you note. And if there are steps, I might have to look to their notes because they're in there. They were personal. They were like, I don't know, enthusiastic, but genuine. Um, they named what they were grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they express their appreciation. So steps for a good apology, steps for a good thank you note. There's probably other things we could well, advise. And they're not much different, right? You know, showing our gratitude and and, and offering apology is um, are, are not too far off. Um, you're right, there there are steps for that. You know, I think back again when my, and you know I love my thank you notes um, and have hopefully passed that on to my children when they were younger. I used to, and to our listeners. Uh, yeah, I used yeah. to fill. Uh, I used to create um, a template for them. So you know, of course, when they're just learning to write, they're going to have a hard time writing an entire thank you note out. So I would write out, you know, dear blank, thank you for blank, yeah. uh, you know, and then they're, they'd have to say why they loved it or what they loved about it and what they're going to do with it, and you know, then it would say love, you know, they'd have to fill in their name. So they just kind of had to fill it in. Um, so that I could give them the structure for it. But, you know, that it, it, an apology is the same as a thank you note. You want it to be genuine. You want it to come from the heart. You want it to have meaning. You want it to be specific. Um, And those are great takeaways for us, you know, this week. I I am going to challenge you that if you see your neighbor... Um, no, I'm afraid to. (laughs) Well, and I don't think it... I think you just need to, you know, maybe offering him peace is the way we're doing it now in church or in Zoom is smiling, yeah. you know, offering him, you know, a, a friendly response. It doesn't have, you don't have to be verbal, um, but maybe just that kind presence. And, you know, I do think if, you know, if we find ourselves needing to apologize this week, I think, you know, really, you know, thinking of the last lecture and taking those steps, you know, saying, I'm sorry, acknowledging it was my fault. And then, you know, asking or saying what, you know, how can I make it right? I think, you know, keeping that in mind, because I'm sure there's going to be something I do this week that I'm going to need to apologize for. Um, You know, and also thinking about the attributes of our family. We've talked about that a lot this episode too. You know, who are we as a family? Are we a family of gratitude that, you know, also says we're sorry? You know, what are those important attributes for us? Um, Those are the things I'm going to think about. And I have to say the, the apology might be the toughest one. Um, I do not like to admit that I was wrong. I do not like to, um, you know, acknowledge those faults and those flaws. Um, you know, especially with my husband, I like to just sort of walk out of the room because I know it's going to pass um, because he is very good at forgiveness. But I'm going to work on the, the the art of the apology. Yeah. Well, the reality is it's when I was teaching, I, I said, you know, this is something we've all dealt with. And we will, like you said, probably this week. (laughs) And and to a certain degree, it takes some of the pressure off. 
So um, yeah, I think it's it's worth considering and uh, you've already given me my, my homework <laughs> for the week and also my lesson plan. I wanna thank you for that. On Tuesday, I'm gonna have my students we are, we're back more than we have been. So there's more kids in the classroom. Um, I'm gonna have them determine what's the criteria, you know, the steps. I keep saying criteria because that's such an ethical framework. What's the steps for a good thank you note and see what we come up with. But shout out to Mike Rubin and the St. Francis girls volleyball team for just their thoughtfulness on that. And uh, I don't know that he knew that, but that was one of the secrets for the secret sauce for the LPGA. They were really on the, and I got to pull up the article and I'll link it as well. They were on the down low and um, Mike Wan, the former commissioner, really encouraged the women to write thank you notes to the sponsors. And they did. And it paid off. And I think it's just awesome. So another another props for our thank you notes. And yeah, the, and the gra- and expressing gratitude. Absolutely. The power of gratitude is great. And I think, you know, kudos to your women's, you know, your girl's volleyball coach. Um, he may not have said, hey, you need to write Miss Strickers a thank you note, but he's clearly created a, a culture of gratitude on that team. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, again, coaching is a, a whole topic that we could discuss at some point, but he's teaching those important life skills and that makes a yeah. great coach. So yeah. props to him too. Sure yeah. Excellent. Well, Anne, it's nice to be back. It's I'm so excited about our new platform, um, you know, for for to spread our our podcast far and wide. So thank you for that. And um, it's always I always enjoy our time together talking. That's right. Well, thank you. And for our listeners, um, when I say show notes, you'll be able to find those at Faith Fondue on Twitter. Haley and I are working on a website. We that's another goal of ours. There's some engagement on Instagram at Faith Fondue, but these are other ways to share our information. And yeah, looking forward to continuing season two. Absolutely. Thank you. And sharing it far and wide. So yeah, thank you, Anne. And we'll talk next week. Have a great week.